I love our three, two, one. Uh, Corinne, I think it's very important. I know people don't get to hear it, but what we do is Corinne does a three, two, one countdown to us pressing the record button and then another three, two, one countdown to us clapping so that we can sync them all up. Slap, clap. Mm-hmm. Everybody clap your hands. And I just made us redo everything five times because I think our audio, something happened and I couldn't hear you. So I was like, are we just awkwardly pausing and staring at each other? Or are we, is it me? Is it just me or is it both of us? It's both of us. I don't know. It's but usually both of us. We're usually in sync with our This is two girls, one stuff. ghost. <gasps> two girls, one ghost. <laughs> I don't know why I gasped. In this episode of two girls, one. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> And we are your ghostesses. That is Corinne, and I am Sabrina. And what is on your shirt? It looks so fancy. Oh, thanks. It is, I think this is from Urban. It's so it cute. Zodiac, but like Zodiac. Oh. Zodiac. I don't know. Fancy. But it's different, and I like it. And I've worn this almost every day since I've gotten it. I, that is the best. It's really best. Big and it's just so comfy. That's the best. That's the best kind of purchase when you just like can't take it off. I know. It is nice. And I, I f- feel like I've been really vibing with the t-shirts that – like I, at first I was stealing my dad's t-shirts, but mm-hmm. now they just make t-shirts new that for women that go all the way and touch like your – what is this called? You're like elbow crease. Your the elbow pit. opposite of your weenus. I don't know. What is it? Yep. I always your think of that tickle. The tickle game where you like tickle your arm or someone oh, tickles your arm. Yes, where you go like this. And you guess when they get to that point. Yeah. yeah. If anyone hasn't done that, we have a YouTube, so we'll show you right now. But you basically start with two fingers. Well, no, someone. And you like tap, 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 tap. But you have to have someone do Some, it to you. Someone does it to you. So imagine I'm doing this to Corinne. So like if. Wait, ready? Yes. Do I wish and I could do the, this. I have to have my eyes closed. Yeah. Yeah. So wait, oh. I, w- I know. I was trying. And then you, the person has to guess when it gets into like your crease. But when you have your eyes closed and someone's doing it to you, you always guess a little too early. It's the so sensation, weird, isn't it? It? Is, it is. It is weird. The sensation is weird. I have – okay. This just happened – Also, I was just thinking about it. Oh, go ahead. Okay. Well, I want to hear what you have to say too. But I, I, I want to humbly brag real quick because something exciting happened to me this morning. So I – when we first started this podcast, I was like running marathons and I was a long-distance runner. That is very far in my past now. But now lately I've been doing Orange (laughs) Theory and I just reached my 250th class, which is also exciting. But then on top of that today, this morning, we ran uh, one mile and I did it in six minutes and 38 seconds, which is my best time ever. And I'm really proud of it. Holy crap. Sabrina, that's intense. I'm really proud. I think I could never. I mean, that's you could. the mileage time that I've always hoped would come out of me if like a tsunami warning came and I was right on the coast. I'm like, got to get in my six minute mile. But I've, I don't think I've ever gone below like 920. You could for sure do it. I've been, I mean, I've been doing this for the last year and a half now <laughs> and I've like built my speed. So I'm, I'm excited. That, that's a huge accomplishment. Thank you. I'm, it's just, it's interesting that that's the fastest that, I mean, I'm a little flustered by it because, number one, I'm amazed that you did that. But number two, I'm just thinking, is it because when you were a marathon runner, you were, like, pacing yourself more? But now doing Orange Theory, you're more focused on, like, short sprints and endurance. Mm -hmm. Is that why you think? Yeah. I mean, it's a very different style of training. Like, when I was running my long distance, occasionally I would do sprinting training or I would do short distance training. But mostly it was long distance and when you're running 26 miles, I mean, there are some people who are, I mean, the fact that I'm bragging about a 638 mile, there's probably people out there. I'm like, oh, I ran a marathon at that speed and I'm going to, yeah, well, F you. Congrats. You rule. I suck. But 
Um, <laughs> you don't suck. It's just certain people's bodies are yes, different. Yes, yes, yes. But it's a very different training. So now this is high intensity. I have intensity. a friend who ran like 75, a 75 mile marathon. 75 and miles? His dad runs 100 mile, 100 miles. Yeah, it's like literally overnight. Like you run for like 24 hours. It's crazy. Yeah, see, I, the, I no. It's wild. No. See, those are the people who I'm like, don't – just stop. I, I felt accomplished running a marathon and now you're making me feel not accomplished with anything and you're just superhuman. I, I'm just I don't like, are it. your spleens okay? Like, what's <laughs> happening? Did I tell you the first time I ran a, a marathon, my mom called me and was like, well, I'm not paying for your knee surgery. And I was like, what about like, congrats, you're running a marathon. That's great. I think a marathon is a huge accomplishment. Thank you. Especially if someone runs their first one. I, yes. I think that's super cool. I thought so I too. think if you, Sabrina, ran marathons consistently for 15 years and ran multiple each year, yeah, yeah. then I might say, how are your knees doing? But your first one and only a few, like, yeah. you're fine. Thank you. Thank you. What were you going to say? What was and you have to like stretch and just do all your little things. Yeah. Oh, not important anymore. But <laughs> I was basically just going to say that I think in the beginning when you were like, <gasps> to whisper two girls, one ghost, it's – I feel like you did that because on Sunday night we had our first live on mm-hmm. Patreon with our only Phantoms tier. And we all went back and, and like basically found when we first started saying our like two girls, one ghost together and when we started whispering Yes. Yeah. And it, it didn't come immediately. Like, well, the, we had some evolution in the beginning. The two girls, one ghost, we whispered. I whispered right away. But then the see you on the other side. Oh, in the beginning, yes. Was uh, an evolution. Yes, you're right. You're right. It was our, our sign-off was the evolution. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah. And we, I think you and I had a really big self-growth moment on Sunday when we re-listened because we both acknowledged that maybe our first episode is not as terrible as we have made it out to be in our own minds. And I think I think it's beautiful that you and I both were able to take a second and be like, you know what? We started something am- amazing. And while, yes, we were young and didn't really know what we were doing, we were novice, we, we did it mm-hmm. and we created it. And listening back was not awful. It was fun. I mean, there were so, it was, no. it's cringy to listen back to yourself regardless. But I was I, – yeah, I'm really proud of us. Right. Yeah, the only thing that I was really cringing at though was – just, I mean, we had different microphones because we yeah. were just starting out. We didn't yeah. invest in proper equipment because we thought it was just something fun that you and I were going to do together and no yeah. one else would ever listen. So we were like, ah, we'll just buy the cheap ones. Yeah. That was the only thing. I mean, granted, we only got 15 minutes in. We were all chatting yeah. for an hour, so we didn't get very far. No. But yeah, you're right. It was nice to just be like, you know what? It's not as bad. Mm-hmm. Now I feel less anxiety when someone's like, oh, what's your pause? podcast name i always would say okay well first let me tell you before i would say the name i'd be like let me tell you first to not listen to the first episode like start at 12 or whatever yeah because there was so much anxiety surrounding it i still say that like whatever choose which choose your own adventure yeah yeah i still say that i mean if you want to if you want to stay with us don't start (laughs) (laughs) there's a better chance I mean, we see the numbers. Yeah, oh yeah. There's, There's a, a drop, drop off. off after that. There's person, a drop so. off. It's oh. like a yeah, yeah. It's a significant drop off. But I also I, I don't know if you feel this mm-hmm. way, but when I'm trying to impress someone, like business wise, we have created something so incredible. But then I feel like when I'm in a business meeting or something and I'm talking about the podcast and they're like, oh, I want to listen. I always I'm like, no, 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 no. Like you don't have to listen. No, 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 don't. Because I'm just afraid. Like, why? Just join our Facebook group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I just, like, I think uh, I get nervous. Don't listen to me. Just talk to everybody else. Yeah, exactly. One, don't listen to me. But two, I get nervous, I think, because you never know how people are going to deal with the fact that we, you and I, Corinne, are so deep believers of the paranormal. And we're like, aliens, Bigfoot, cryptids, like ghosts, demons are everywhere. Like we just so full-heartedly believe that I feel like someone who is maybe skeptical would take that, uh, like would be a little thrown off by that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I think it's also interesting too that I I wonder if people in our personal lives after listening wonder if we truly believe or if we're like faking some of it because I, I have had some people ask like, before they've listened, like, mm-hmm. oh, do you actually believe in that stuff? And I'm like, I mean, yeah. Duh. Like, of course. Oh, my gosh. But I wonder yeah. if anyone, if any of our friends thinks I, – I mean, I can't. It creeps into every conversation we have outside of the podcast, too. Yeah. No one can possibly Constantly. think that we're not, like, full deep dive yeah. paranormal enthusiasts. Hey, here's the thing that I'm realizing is if people don't believe, I'm just going to make it a mission in my afterlife when I am dead, when I am a ghost – when I'm transitioning into a demon, because eventually I'm sure I'll try that out, I will stop by everyone's <laughs> – I will stop by – I'm just picturing – you know when like a snake sheds its skin? <laughs> I'm picturing you like as a ghost and then all of a sudden you like get all like crispy and crinkly and like you just slither oh on my out gosh. and then you're just like this like lizard person. Ooh. You're, you're the demon now. I'll have a cocoon. I'll be I'll – be That's your evolution. I'll be a beautiful ghost and then I'll cocoon Little myself chrysalis. in the chrysalis. And come out terrifying. I'm freaking excited. <laughs> but I will haunt all those people is what I'm going to say. I'm happy for you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for supporting my Here's dreams. Here's the thing. I do. I do. <laughs> and I think, too, when we – I mean, there's nothing we're going to say now that we haven't said a thousand yeah, times yeah. on the podcast. But I think in our experience – when we've talked to a group of people, if there's like five people and a few people are kind of like very uninterested in talking about the paranormal or really don't believe, there's always one person. There's one person that's like, oh, can I tell you about the time that I'm pretty sure I was haunted or that I got dragged by a demon or that I saw Bigfoot in the woods? And it's like some of the wildest stories are from the one person in the group that despite all of these non-believers vocalizing their disbelief around them are like, you, you believe I need to tell you my story now. And I like that. I like that that there's so many opportunities for people to just like let go of the fear of feeling awkward talking about it, even when they're surrounded by people who yeah. very outwardly don't believe and are just like, you believe, so you and I together are going to have a moment We're and I need to get this off a little chest. chat. <laughs> That's the best. That is yeah. the best. We had a – It is. I mean, we'll get into the episode in a second, but you guys, you've, if you're listening to this, you've probably been here for a while and you understand that we like to chat before we talk about ghosts. We had – remember when we were in Austin and we were walking into the Driscoll and then we ran into those two guys and that one guy was the worst. Uh, yeah. Worst. You guys, we ran into this – Ew. I won't – I mean, I don't even remember his I name. But we hated him. And we got stuck in a conversation. His friend was so nice. And like, Corinne, you ended up talking to him for most of it. And I was just like, help me. Because this other guy was such a D-head or A-hole, whatever you want to call him. I want to say those words, but I also, you know, he doesn't even deserve my cursing. He was so awful and was like, oh, like you go chase ghosts and like being so like talking down to us about it and just being so aggressive. Yeah, but then he would ask you, I feel like it was a very failed version of flirting with you. Is what it was he was terrible. To do. It was a terrible flirtation. Question. 
but right before you could answer he would ask you the next question yeah. and it's like you're not even listening you're just like trying to, to like keep me in this weird conversation yeah it was and then he was really gross he's like he was like oh do you ever see like naked ghosts oh yeah like, ghost, ghost boobs. boobs and then he said some weird ghost boobs and then remember he said something about oh i can't even yeah he we just did was, not yeah, like he's him. like it was even his friend was like jesus what are you saying yeah. dude no he was not he was not good, and I very – I think it was very apparent that I did not like him, yeah. and I made that You were known. very, very and clear. So then he tried to be very combative with me, and I was like, all right, friend. Back off. You're too immature for me to be a part of this conversation. Yeah. Let's move on. I know you have a crush on my friend who has a big-ass <laughs> rock on her finger and is married, but you're gross. Back and off. you need to continue on with your friend who's lovely to the bar and leave us alone. You guys, everyone needs a friend the go- like Corinne. The demons Corinne. in life are a lot nicer than him. Everyone needs a friend like Corinne who will give creepy men wet willies when they're weird to you or say, back off, you're weird and I don't like you and go away. You're you're just a great thing, person to have around. Well, the, the downside <laughs> to this, though, is that I feel like I lack some self-preservation when others are in harm's way. Well, that's amazing. So whether amazing. that be like emotionally. But yeah, I mean, I guess I haven't come, I haven't been in a situation. This is actually reminding me of, sorry, we're, we'll get to the, <laughs> the ghost stories eventually. We're just excited. But this is reminding me of when I, when I was at the CVS in Los Angeles, that's uh-huh. in, is it in Culver technically? The CVS that's right next to the Trader Joe's off of Sepulveda. The one by it's the that, airport? Like, little tiny Trader Joe's and then Sort of, yeah. Oh, that's Westchester still. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Okay, in Westchester. So I went into that CBS, Mm -hmm. and there was a man who was quite a few years older than me Mm -hmm. who didn't look like he was – there to shop really mm-hmm. and he cornered me in one of the aisles and asked me some really inappropriate question i think he said like if anyone has kids listening fast forward like 30 seconds right now but he asked me he said something about like oral sex like do you <gasps> like giving oral sex Ew. and he was next to me and i most people i think would have been really scared and like shaken up in the moment and i just turned to him and i goes did you just ask me if I like giving oral? And I said it so loud and he panicked. He was oh, oh, and he was like looking around, like trying to leave. And I was like, this guy just asked me if I like. And I was, oh my God, I was crazy. And then I went to the front and, and I was still talking really loudly. And I was like, can someone walk me to my car? Like from the employees. I was like, cause this dude just asked me. I was so I hardcore. Love that. I was so hardcore. Well, that's the thing is they never expect you to say anything <laughs> oh. back. And I'm so proud of you for being one right. so loud and making him like realize how <laughs> gross of a thing he said to you. Which this reminds me of went back to that CBS ever. No, again. nor should you. Okay, last week, Akrin, you were the first person I texted after this because I knew you'd be awake. I got grabbed. I got grabbed on the street. Oh my god, yes. It was terrifying. This is so scary. Tell everybody what happened because this is really Okay, scary. so every morning I walk to Orange Theory. It's about a mile and I like walk the same path every day. I've never – you know, there are people who are experiencing homelessness along the street and I you, I never feel unsafe. You know, they usually keep to themselves and I was walking and oh my gosh, I, I don't know who it was. Someone tagged us on Instagram in this story. Or like a reel on Instagram. So I like was watching it. I never have headphones in. I would just, you know, had my phone in my hand. I was watching this reel and it was a scary video. And honestly, as the scariest thing is happening, out of nowhere, a man comes up to me and grabs me around my waist. 
grabs me. Ugh. Grabs me. When you texted me, I thought he just grabbed your arm, but you were like, no. He around like my waist. Like around my waist. He tried to kidnap you. I'm just so grateful. Oh, I screamed. Well, I screamed. I said, no. And then I shook him off and he truly just kept walking as if nothing happened. I never even saw his face. He was wearing a hood over his head. No idea who it was. And I was so, I mean, talk about a triggering event. Like it's, it's, yeah, it was, it was, it, I was very shaken. And I also like, was also like, what the heck? How did, what just happened? And I'm also very grateful. There have been, unfortunately, there were a few experiences recently in Santa Monica where like people have been stabbed or hit. And I'm just like very grateful that he didn't have a weapon, but it was very startling. Yeah. So be careful out there, yeah. folks. Yeah, be careful. I know when you told me that, I was shocked. But you, uh, yeah. you've since walked. Yes, I have to Orange. And yeah. also, there was an there was a girl that saw that happen to you, yeah. and she walked with you a little. Yeah, as well. it was funny. She's like, "I just moved here from New York. I didn't realize that San Monica was like this." And I was like, "Welcome, <laughs> welcome <laughs> from one big city to the next." I mean, that's the thing. You just like my mom always taught us too when we were growing up, because like small town Vermont, no crime ever yeah. happened basically my mom was like it doesn't matter like you still have to be aware of yeah. your surroundings and it's not to say that you can't enjoy and relax a little bit but you can't just like let your guard entirely down which i think is part of living in the city yeah. like you're always on high alert yeah the the unfortunate thing for you is like he was not visible and then ran out and grabbed you yeah it didn't even it doesn't even matter if he was visible and running down the street from you like he could still grab, chase you down and grab you. Maybe not with your six-minute mile. Yeah. But well, gosh, I did not use in that. In theory. Yeah. It was a little now scary. you know. Now I know. Now I know. <laughs> Hi. You can have me if you can catch me. Leia's very chatty today. See, late. She's stressed out about what happened she, to you She's too. also she's probably like, like danger. hey, can you get to the ghost stories yet? It's uh, 20 minutes in, Sabrina. Who's first? I was just going to ask that. We have we have a sheet where we say who's first. Let me look. Shall I look? Shall I pull it up? Oh yeah, you should pull it up because I don't okay. have it up actually. Okay, neither do I. But do, I think I can. Do, I can do, navigate do, my iPad somewhat do, do, quickly. Do, do, don't do, ask do. me to show you any photos on here because my brightness will be down. But I will be able to tell you who's first in one second. <laughs> Grandma Corinne, slowly learning technology. <laughs> Grandma Corinne, it's not great. Oh, I'm first. Oh, yay. Okay, I'm putting my okay. iPad down. I'm going to relax. Ooh. Drink my coffee. Did we did we choose this? I want So, previously on Patreon, I mean, it's not a part of the tiers anymore cuz we did a revamp, but we're still catching up on mm-hmm. some old patrons who picked out topics. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think we just picked this though. Oh. We picked ships. Ships. We wanted to talk about the sea. And I think, honestly, I think I wrote this in the tracker. (laughs) Pirate life for me. The ill-gotten booty poppers. We haven't talked to those old pirate voices. (laughs) (laughs) But I think specifically that I wanted to talk about this because I realized not that long ago that while we have alluded to and in short conversations discussed the Queen Mary, we've actually never covered it. I I think you've had this on the Excel for – years if not more and yeah i mean it's one of the most infamously probably haunted after like episode 30 or whatever. yeah this is i mean the queen mary is one of the most haunted places in the world so i and mm-hmm. i don't know much about it i mean ob- obviously i'm a stone throw kind of away from it but i've never been i don't know much about it i'm so excited 
Here we go. Well, I mean, I could have written so much. I know, I'm sure. I stopped myself. So this is going to be a shortened version of Queen Mary's story. Okay. The ship's story. Okay. Not actual Queen Mary. Yeah. But alas, let us begin. Okay. So in 1930, Britain began construction on this ocean liner that we now know as Queen Mary because at the time, other countries were pumping out ships, specifically Germany, and Britain didn't want to fall far behind. So King George V was like, let's build some ships. It's always a competition. And so began. It is. It's like the space race. It's literally everything. Yeah, everything. Like, you have a ship. I want a ship. I saw Regina George wear army, whatever it is. So I'm. Yeah. Well, he saw Germany building ships, so he wanted ships, mm-hmm. and that is what Britain did. They started to build some ships, and the construction started almost immediately on this 80,000-ton luxury ship. It cost, in today's money, over $350 million to build. What? And I know. Isn't that crazy? I was thinking Whoa. about it. I was like, how do people make money off of ships? Yeah, that's like, I have like no how, idea. The cruise line industry is so huge. But like, how do they How do they make money? Bottomless drinks. You got to pay for the uh, yeah, all-inclusive. Actually, that it, honestly, because, it's such a good deal. If you have like two drinks a day, it makes sense because I recently went on a cruise. So I don't know how they make money. That's a good question. I don't. I don't know either because think about how many people have to work on the ship. Yeah. How many people have to service the ship in between. Yeah. There's just so much equipment. It's kind of like an airplane. Like they don't last a long time. There's no ship that's like out there for 80 years yeah. without being retired or having a shit ton of work done. To- I I don't know. Math is not my strong suit. Neither <laughs> is the economy or money. So let's <laughs> just move ghosts, on and learn about ghosts. <laughs> ghosts, you, you are very strong in that subject. <laughs> Conspiracy theories? <laughs> I got you. SpongeBob quotes? Here I am. Okay. <laughs> okay, so this boat cost a shit ton. Don't know how they made money. But Britain was in the habit of, at the time, and I think probably still, of naming its ships female names that ended with IA. So rumor has it it was supposed to be called the Victoria. Mm-hmm. But other people who had been working on the ship and were involved in the project We're like, oh, we just think it would be so nice to name it after Britain's greatest queen, Mary, who was King George's wife at the time, Mary Tuck. I am curious. Okay, we'll name it. Why? Because I feel like every ship is referred to as a she. Like, they're all feminine. Why? I don't know. Is it because it was mostly men sailing on them and they wanted a feminine presence? Or is it like, is there some weird sea goddess who they would associate ships with? I'm curious. If anyone knows, let us know. Right. Or I'm even thinking about just like language. And you know how in, in many other languages there's feminine or masculine words. Oh, like I'm thinking specifically like Spanish. Yeah. Like I wonder if maybe somehow it was converted over and huh. then just had. Again? I, I don't know. We don't know. Here's the thing. We don't know. We're asking questions. <laughs> we don't know. And we're not looking it up. No. <laughs> we're busy. We're busy telling you about the Queen Mary. So the RMS Queen Mary was created. It was a top luxury liner. It shuttled people across the Atlantic primarily. And as I was as I was reading about it, I was like, this feels very Titanic. Like the way that it was written about feels very Titanic. Right. Because it had this, it was this premier and extremely luxurious transatlantic ship with beautiful decks, romantic wood paneling, art deco details, state of the art, everything for its time. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so Titanic-esque. And then as I kept reading, it said that if you think it sounds like the Titanic, it's because 
the Queen Mary is the same kind of transatlantic ocean liner as the Titanic and aesthetically was built very similarly. Oh. So which one like this which one came first? Close. Titanic. Okay. Okay. Titanic. Yeah. I think people had already died of yeah, the yeah. Titanic by the time. Dates are just still. not my expertise, so well, I'm probably wrong too. So, but <laughs> You're I'm probably fairly right. certain. Yeah, no, I believe it. I think the tragedy of the Titanic happened before yeah, World yeah. War II, right? Wasn't it in like the early 1900s or late 1800s? I'm gonna sound Based on dumb. costumes. Yes, yes, yes. Based on clothing, yes, it definitely right. was before 1930s. <sighs> it was like Victorian, Edwardian, something like that. Gosh, okay. okay, yeah. So the ship, it lived. It was very luxurious. Everyone was like, ooh, I want to be on the Queen Mary. And so it did have some big names aboard it at certain times, like Winston Churchill, mm. Elizabeth Taylor, Greta Garbo, and Walt Disney. Mm. It then eventually helped with World War II, which was happening only a few years after it was created. So the Queen Mary was painted gray. It was then nicknamed the Gray Ghost. And its job was to ferry soldiers to the front lines. And this is one of the instances when disaster struck the ship because it collided with another ship, a smaller ship. And the tragedy of it is it's not, it wasn't even in battle. Like it They were on the same team. But basically what happened was the Queen Mary was escorting 10,000 American soldiers, and it was zigzagging on its course. And this was normal, especially for large ships to do, because it was kind of trying to, like, trip up any other ships that were, like, maybe trying to target it. You know, like a little zebra zigzagging from a lion. So that was a normal thing. So it was trying to confuse people in ships nearby who were thinking about attacking. And then the Curacao ship was much smaller. It was escorting the Queen Mary, protecting it from incoming attacks. But this ship was going straight. And this ship was a little bit older, so it was going slightly slower than the Queen Mary was in Queen Mary's zigzag. So they both appeared to be heading towards each other during the straight and zigzagging moments. However, Queen Mary's captain was like, no big deal. Curacao will move. They're used to escorting big ships like us. And then the captain of Curacao, I don't really know. He was just like, oh, oh, this Uh-oh. is much closer than I thought it was. And now it's way too late for us to take a really sharp turn and oh. avoid colliding. So the Queen Mary, which will house like 12,000 yeah, people. Yeah, massive. Hit this, hit like a 400-person boat. Sliced it in half immediately. 337 people died. Oh, my god! There were only 101 survivors. Sliced it in half. And at the time, sliced it in half, just cut right through it. Horrible. Oh, my gosh. The captain survived and 100, 100 other people, but 300-some people lost wow. their lives. And what's also, I imagine, so terrifying to go through is at the time, because World War II was actively happening, there was protocol that – Ships were not allowed to stop sailing. So Queen Mary couldn't stop to help everybody oh, in Curacao. Oh, my gosh. They had 10,000 sh- soldiers. They were a huge target. They, they couldn't, couldn't stop. stop? So they had – no. They had to keep going. And the captain radioed for help for how, Curacao. So how did the 100 – however many people survive from the other ship? Just lifeboats? I don't really know. I don't know if they were in lifeboats or or if they were just kind of like floating in water, but it said it took hours for other yeah. smaller boats to come and rescue them. And by then there was only 100 some survivors. Oh my gosh. That is horrible. Horrible, horrible. Really brutal. I was going to make a comment. Yeah. I'm still going to make it, but it's not as enjoyable to make now because this is such a tragedy. But when you were talking about the collision during, not even during battle, it made me think of, I played ice hockey for a year in high school. And I was in practice and a girl didn't know how to stop. 
and collided with me, I went flying backwards and got a concussion. Ooh, ooh, that's not good. Yeah. How many concussions have you had? Only one that I know of, thankfully. That's good. Yeah. How many concussions are you allowed to have in your life? Uh, I don't think even one is good, but I don't I don't know. I think there's like different sports have different rules of how many mm. make you unqualified to actually play anymore. I've had three. You had three? So I think if I have another one, I'm going to – How? Not. One was <laughs> at, at our college at LMU. We had something called lip sync. Wait, no. That's how I broke my rib. Oh? Let me let me re-remember. Cren. See, See, I don't even remember. Even, what is wrong? Oh, no. Wait, maybe I've We've only had two. Mm, maybe I've only had two. I can't really remember. One was – I was at a high school party and we were all dancing on someone's coffee table and I was on the end oh. and someone like booty bounced me off and I went back and hit the fireplace oh my gosh. on the back of my head and like the, the doctor said I should have blacked out because it was like a type 2 concussion but I was awake still. And then the other one was drunk and we were – I was also at a height. We were in Cabo, spring break and there were – remember at Squid Row yeah. how there's those bleachers and everyone stands oh. on them? Again – some booty bounced me off and I fell and hit my Maybe head. Maybe you should stay away from booty bouncing. I know. Okay. Correction. I've had two concussions. I've broken my ribs three times. That's what I was thinking. The three. Corinne, concussions. Your medical chart is off is uh worrisome. <laughs> I'm glad you're okay. It's just incredible because like my center of gravity is so low. It's literally only when I'm inebriated that I get yeah, injured. I mean, that makes or sense. Or just like freak accidents. Yeah. But otherwise, I've had – I've literally had someone biking at like 15 miles per hour run straight into me and they fell off their bike and I didn't even like waver. Like I was just steady. Anyway. Shocking that drinking is dangerous. <sighs> In uh, new news, mm-hmm. drinking is dangerous and Sabrina's had one concussion from ice hockey, so she quit. This just in. <laughs> <laughs> That's just in. What are we talking about? The Queen Mary. Queen Mary. <laughs> okay, so horrible that this happened. Such a big tragedy. But for the most part, this was, I think, the only major, major disaster that happened. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm sure there was more. Yeah. But like in terms of this many deaths and right. being on the same side and war and whatnot. Yeah. This was this was like the big thing that happened in Queen Mary's life. But there were plenty of other smaller disasters and individual deaths on board. Nearly 50 people have been reported or rumored to have died on the Queen Mary, from crew members dying in the boiler room to a little girl drowning in the first-class pool. In 1967, the Queen Mary sailed its very last voyage to Long Beach, California, where it took up permanent residence – it's still there today – and it's floating in the port. In 1971, it opened as an aquarium museum – But it did not do too well, and so it changed owners and management companies quite a few times. And then this is something new that I did not know about the Queen Mary. Do you remember earlier when I was like, oh, it had celebrities and famous people and all these, like, luxurious first-class people like Walt Disney? Okay, Walt Disney, so he took a trip on the Queen Mary, and this inspired him to attempt to make a haunted mansion on the sea on Queen Mary. Did you know about this? I did not know about this. What? Okay, me neither. Yeah. It existed when we were alive and we never oh, went. Oh, it was – how old were we? Uh, when was it? We were like three. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we would never remember it anyway. <laughs> uh, okay, but it operated in the 90s. 
So he opened Port Disney on the Queen Mary, which operated in the 90s. And on the Queen Mary, you would take a tour of the old ship and you would be guided by a celebrity guide, which were actors impersonating a celebrity who had traveled aboard the the Queen Mary oh, cool. on one of its voyages. So like someone might dress up as like Elizabeth Taylor. Right. Or something. So it's interactive. You know, it's kind of like yeah. the pr- princesses and yeah. and yeah, different people at Disney. There were themed parties. There were high-end retailers, just many attractions. I mean, it was it was basically a theme park, but like so cool. on the Mary. Yeah. So cool. The main attraction was Haunted Passages. It was a tour that brought you through the legends, the mysteries, and the tragic stories attached to the ship. And on the tour, people were brought to the sites where crew members had been crushed, where people had been murdered, where passengers had been drowned. It was like literally, it was like partially a themed attraction meets actual like ghost Whoa. tour. I mean, for for someone like Walt who created these magical happy worlds, it sounds like he also had a very twisted mind. Yeah, I mean, didn't he? Didn't he like freeze his body? Isn't he frozen? That's like a, a the, that's life? a conspiracy. Yeah. Oh well, I bet he is. I believe it. <laughs> I think that's something. Yeah. Okay. So on this tour, you would stop at room B three forty. Disney installed special effects here, so the floorboards. When you were there, it was kind of like when you would go through the haunted mansion. Mm-hmm. You know how there's all the like ghosts and pianos playing themselves and stuff yeah. like that. So this. This is what they installed into this room. So you heard all of the horrible things and the mysteries and the legends and the deaths that had happened. And then you stop at this room and the floorboards are creaking. The faucets will turn on. There's disembodied voices that echo. The mirrors reflect paranormal activity Ooh. in them. So super, super cool. Mm-hmm. And similar to the ghosts in the Haunted Mansion ride, the ghostly projection of John Pedler, who was a young engineer who had been crushed to death on the oh my ship, gosh. was made into this projection and his his like being his person was displayed in the boiler room as if i just imagine the ghost of john peddler being like annoyed by that and then haunting additionally i mean he does haunt there spoiler alert (laughs) (laughs) but yeah can you imagine or just like almost having fun with it where it's just like when you know the projector once you sync up the cadence of the yeah. projector and there's tours going through like when it's not actually there or like trying to go with the projection and yeah. then as soon as the projection turns off you're still there and you're like boo that would be fun. that would be fun that would be fun oh I just got like excited chills from that I know like the I okay this is being a ghost I shouldn't say this sounds fun <laughs> it does sound fun I have always said when I die, I don't care what happens to me. Just throw me overboard, feed me to the sharks, yeah. scoop out whatever you need, put me in. I don't know. I don't I don't care. I do care now. Sabrina, I want – well, I guess it doesn't really have to do with my body. I want a projection of myself to be played somewhere so that my ghost can interact and I can bring okay. people. Good to know. I will so set like that up. it's like an attraction. Everyone goes to see the ghost of me and then like it truly is my ghost. But it sometimes. is you. Okay. All right. Well, we'll have to write yeah. this up in your will. It'll be a, okay. a demand. But I don't want to be anywhere normal. I want to be like a Batman projection in the sky above Boston. Oh my gosh. Yes. And when the clock strikes 3.33, just for like 60 seconds, I just am up in the sky. Through. I'm like a little sperm just like <laughs> around the sky. That's what I want. A little sperm. My death wish. Okay. Noted. Bloom, 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 this bloom, is everyone keep me, yeah. hold me. I mean, 
God willing, it doesn't happen anytime soon, but this is on record. <laughs> this is on record and I'll hold you accountable. Yeah. Yes, yes, you can haunt me until I do that for you. I'll haunt you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So legend grew around this room that Disney had turned into this sort of attraction, this theme park at sea. And eventually it does close down. It didn't surprisingly, it didn't take well in Long Beach, which I'm like, who wouldn't want to go there? Yeah, it seems what? like the best thing in the world. Yeah. However, people didn't, so it closed down, and they locked up room B340, where it remained sealed for decades. And the legend just just grew even more and more and more Mm -hmm. after this room was sealed and the attraction closed down. So after so many years, the stories of Disney's fake curated hauntings and the real hauntings aboard Queen Mary started to bleed together. People's memories of the park and retelling of their paranormal encounters sort of kind of meshed, and people didn't really know where the authentic spirit interactions began and where the sort of like morphed yeah. memories of Disney's lighting projections ended. Fair. So some stories that people might hear or retell are are kind of a, a blend of the two. But what we do know for sure is that this ship, Disney or no Disney, is very haunted. Yeah, it is. So let's get into the Yes. Hauntings. Starting in stateroom B340, the one that was closed for some time, Long before Disney came along, this room had a dark past. A 1948 British third-class passenger, Walter J. Adamson, passed away in the room, cause of death unknown. Then, 22 years later, in 1966, a woman staying in this room woke up as the bed sheets were being pulled off of her. She wakes up and she looks to the end of her bed, and there is a man standing there before her. Oh my so gosh. she screams, she phones for the steward, and the man in front of her at the end of the bed just vanishes into thin air. Ooh. And so now people will, despite it being closed off for many years, they have reopened it. And Queen Mary, if you didn't already know, is a hotel. So people will request to stay in this room to try to get some extra creepy paranormal encounters. Wild. And maids often find the bathroom water running, even when no guests have stayed there to turn them on prior lights will turn on mysteriously and in the middle of the night there will be knocks on the door that will disrupt guests the mayfair room is the next haunted location on my verbal tour for you it was once the beauty salon and now it is an office so in 2001 an employee from the accounting department came in cracking on 5 30 a.m she's like i'm getting to work early and getting out of here early yeah so she gets on and she's like the only one i mean it there's plenty of other people aboard the ship it's a hotel other people are working she's not solo but in this office she is she's the first one on and she said as soon as she went into the space it just felt off but she was like "Ah, i'm gonna brush it off go about my day get going so she sits down at her desk and then she feels this really cold air around her and someone brush against her chair she turns around there's no one there she's alone However, just a few minutes later, she spots a translucent figure walking across the office and floating through the door. Wow. So she got up and ran until other <laughs> coworkers came. She did not work until the next fair. person walked in for the day. Wow. Yep. Very fair. Okay. I'm going to really butcher the name of this room. Okay. But there's a room called the Mauritania Room. <laughs> I probably wrote it down wrong, too, but M-A-U-E-I-T-A-N-I-A, Mautania Room. I believe you. It's haunted. Yeah, okay. And in 1989, two employees were cleaning the lounge room because this room was basically used as a lounge for, like, VIP guest Mm check-in. And so they were in there. They were cleaning. And in the middle of this dance floor, there's a passenger just sitting on a chair staring at them. 
And they're like, that's unsettling. This is really weird yeah. and awkward. Well, let's just clean around this person and, like, not make eye contact. Like, awkward guest. And so they're trying their best to ignore the creepiness of this person. And then a third employee comes to start helping cleaning. And this employee looks over at the passenger that's in the chair. And the passenger looks at her and is like, can you please move? Actually, I'm not sure if he said please. But he just said, can you move? And she was like, what is happening? And so then the other two women are like, oh, this is this is not okay. We need to call security. So as they dial, the three of them are calling security about this like weird passenger Person, guy that yeah. keeps staring at them and is now trying to talk to them. And as they're making the phone call, all standing there together staring at him, he just fades. Oh, my God. Into nothingness. <laughs> what a bossy ghost. I know. I know. And also, I'm assuming that internally, like the internal structure of the Queen Mary hasn't shifted. Perhaps the purposes of the rooms have. Yeah. But if this was a ballroom and a dance floor, I kind of presumed that it always was because how many spaces on the ship right. are still that big. So it's kind of interesting to think of him just like sitting in a chair in the middle of the dance floor. I mean, it could have been something military related, though. Oh, yeah, you're they right. They probably used that for something else right. during that time. Just piling in. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Well, regardless. Okay. Now on to the first class swimming pool. So remember, this was a luxurious way of traveling. The majority of guests did not have a first class experience, but yeah. the people that could afford it did. And there was a pool that is now abandoned due to not meeting California code. <laughs> but there was a pool that was for first class passengers only. And it had this beautiful fountain. It had a mother of pearl ceiling. I feel like tiles. we've it was really big. received listener stories about this before. So I'm picturing it perfectly because someone sent us a photo before. Okay, yes. And so I actually – so I re-listened to – I think it was like episode 30 or something – because we had read a listener story mm. from someone who had sent in a Queen Mary experience. And I wanted to retell it, retell what I had heard in this episode. So I had to go back because I knew I retold it in that episode. Oh, my God. That person's story, which was the fact that I went on a tour of the Queen Mary and my guide had told – the tour guide had told me stuff that happened. Well, told all of us, oh, not me, uh, but like told the tour group stuff that had happened in the pool. So I wonder if that's what you're remembering. Maybe, Yeah. But I'm sure a ton of people had experiences yeah. in the pool too. Sorry. I said probably 120 extra you words. did. More than what I needed to to describe that to you. But it was it was a fun mind game for me to follow along. <sighs> yeah, me too. It's kind of like, where am I going with this? <laughs> what am I trying Blame to the say? concussions. It's the con- – I've had two concussions and I broke my nose three <laughs> times. I'm barely alive. Point being is there's a pool that's – very beautiful, now abandoned, and it is pretty creepy. Yeah. And so a young girl is said to have drowned in this pool, and her spirit is thought to still be in this area. However, there are heaps of other spirits around the pool. People have seen a young woman in a tennis skirt walking down the stairs mm. and then disappearing behind a pillar. There's a little girl in a blue and white dress who pops up and then disappears in the blink of an eye. And there's a woman in an old wedding gown that is accompanied by a little boy in a suit. So they were clearly going to a wedding. Interesting. Wedding. Wow. Yeah. I'm very curious about that. Okay. So now, like I said horribly before, I went on a tour of the Queen Mary about five or six years ago. And during this tour, we had this amazing tour guide who just told us so many extra stories. And he was just like really goofy. And anytime there would be like a really intense story and everything would be really quiet and everyone's sort of like exploring the different areas, he would just scream <laughs> at the top of his lungs. Like, you would just be, like, in silence being like, I wonder where they're going. And he'd be jumping, ah! 
and everyone would jump and it was so it was so scary but he was awesome that's amazing he told us when we were in the pool because they bring you on the haunted tours they bring you into the abandoned pool area he told us about an experience that he had so on the tour you go visit here and for the most part it's generally creepy place and so most employees avoid the place Mm -hmm. that is the pool unless they have to be there But it also does happen to be a shortcut between the employee lockers and the exit. Oh, my gosh. So occasionally, employees will zip through it solo from time to time, even though the energy there is off. Yeah. So he said that's what he was doing. He got off and he was just trying to zip on through, get out of there, clock out, and be done for the day. So he goes through the pool and he hears footsteps run into the bathroom slash changing room area. So he's thinking one of his coworkers is trying to play a prank on Mm -hmm. him or someone's trying to scare him. So he's like, nope, not going to let this happen. He then goes to find them, goes into the bathroom, and he's like kicking with his foot, pushing each door open. Oh, my gosh. The the stalls to the bathroom and looking in. He gets the last one. His heart is now – he's like shitting himself, heart pounding, opens it. There's no one. Ah. So he's now like, oh, my God, am I having a ghost experience? Is this paranormal activity? So he just tries to really calmly, like, collect himself. Maybe he just heard something. Maybe it was an exaggeration. He's just imagining it all. So he then walks out and starts making his loop around the pool towards the exit. And as he's doing this, there are footsteps happening behind him, (gasps) like someone's following him. Oh, my gosh. So then he turns around. No one. He continues again. The footsteps now are happening again, but just a little bit out of sync. So he knows it's not just his own footsteps echoing. And they're closing the gap between him and them. So whoever it is is getting closer and closer. He said that he has never run so fast (laughs) in his life when he realized that they were gaining Yeah, that's so creepy. So creepy. He also told us, and this I couldn't find online, but I remember him telling us that there's this one sitting room right off of the lobby where guests will often see someone seated at the piano, maybe playing, or they'll hear piano music only to then realize after that it's actually a spirit and there's no one there. Yes. And there's also a stairwell right near there that's pretty steep. I mean, a lot of them are. It's like an old chip. So mm-hmm. you can easily fall. So you have to like grab the handrails. But people do stumble and trip sometimes. But there's this one specific stairwell where many people have reported feeling a supportive hand on them as they wobble and stumble and try to regain their balance. Oh. So there's someone literally saving that's people really kind. from falling down the stairs. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's a nice I know. spirit. That nice? That's a very nice spirit. I wonder who it is. Yeah. Super nice. And then there's just a few more haunted spots for you. So in Boiler Room 4, there's a little girl that's been seen numerous times, sometimes sucking her thumb Aww. and sometimes carrying a doll with her. Poor girl. So young. And then lastly, there's Hatch Door Number 13, known as Shaft Alley, which is the site of a gruesome death. In 1966, the door in the engine and boiler room needed to be closed, and a crew member went to do just that when somehow he got trapped. His arms were pinned to his side, and he was being crushed by the heavy metal. Oh, my god! Five minutes later, an employee finds him, is able to free him, gets him to the hospital, but it was too late because his body had literally been crushed, Ugh. so he had internal oh bleeding gosh. everywhere. Oh, he was that's bleeding awful. out of his nose. It was, oh, no. it was awful. No, 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 no. So he died shortly after, and he was only 18 years old. That's so sad. And his spirit remains in this area. People 
see him. People have greasy fingerprints <gasps> appear on their faces. They, sometimes they don't like even know they're having an interaction, but then they'll have like his fingerprints on them Whoa. after leaving and realize that he touched their face. Oh my gosh. Yep. People hear him running up behind them and whistling. And he, again, like I said, some people see him. He will appear as a full-bodied apparition with a beard and blue coveralls, wandering the halls, asking people if they've seen his wrench. Oh. Yeah. There are – I mean, I'm remembering some more stories from the tour, too. There's just so much that happens yeah. here, and there are so many spirits. And so, so, so many more paranormal encounters. But these are just some of the main spirits and haunted spots right. aboard the RMS Queen Mary. Mm-hmm. And now a floating hotel with restaurants, parties, paranormal tours. You can go visit the Queen Mary. You can stay overnight. You can have your wedding there. And maybe I'll be lucky enough to encounter the spirits within. It is temporarily closed at the okay. moment. I think they're restoring some things, mm-hmm. but I'm sure it will open again uh, and you'll you'll be able to I want to go hunt some ghosts. Should we that's I'll go with yeah, you. Yeah, I was gonna say we should add that to our road trip where we stay. We'd like need to stay there. Okay, I'm down. Yeah. I'm down. I liked the Queen Mary. Okay. I liked it a lot. Great. There was also – I can't remember if this is – I'm remembering on the tour that we went into, like, the hull of the boat, and I don't remember if there was any mm. paranormal activity there or if it's just generally creepy because it's, like, entirely pitch black. Yeah. But that part was super creepy. I mean – We it, have to take the tour when we go. Yeah. The paranormal. We'll one. do all of it. Yeah. It is so fascinating. I mean, like, if you think of sea travel, the amount of time you spend in a confined space, like even in the beginning of the pandemic when cruises or when COVID hit, like cruises were – you had a, like they were stationed out in the sea and they couldn't dock because – and then mm-hmm. like vi- the virus was spreading in just in the ship. It's a lot of people oh God, I know. died because you just couldn't escape. If one thing started spreading, you couldn't escape it. Like it, you were – confined in this space where it was spreading right so it's kind of crazy just to think about the people that were during covid yeah on cruise ships yeah like stuck in their rooms or just like the cruise that were like 20 people that were on like the disney cruise liner so whatever they were just like hanging out like tanning on the decks (laughs) chilling doing like the tiktok dances together (laughs) i know i yes I don't think it was as Wild. enjoyable as that made it seem, but that that might be what up there with my oh, worst right. fears yeah. of getting stuck on a cruise ship. Like that, I think also the time at sea is so similar to being a lighthouse keeper. Like there is such an isolation to it that I imagine mm, if you got mm-hmm. stuck out there, you would go a bit mad. I almost think it's better though to be stuck on land than it. That's is what sea. I mean. To be just a housekeeper, like you at least get to explore. You oh, get yeah. to like be with nature. You get to wander and explore but like you just go through the same yeah there are some lighthouses though i think we did an episode of this a long time ago but there was one lighthouse like in the middle of the ocean and being a lighthouse keeper there would be miserable it's kind of like the movie did you ever watch the movie like the lighthouse with willem dafoe and robert patterson i sure pattinson robert pattinson so it's nick and i watched it and got in a fight afterward because we were like felt so weird like, it, it was such an unsettling movie that we were at, like, we felt off watch after watching it. Really? Yeah. I really need to watch it. So many people have told me to it's see weird. it. It's weird. It's worth watching, it's weird. right? Yeah. Weird. Weird in a good way? I would not watch or it again. Like- it's fascinating. Mm. Uh, but it was, yeah, the way it made me feel was, you know, I don't want to feel that way again. Okay. Yeah. Well, mm. Maybe I'll watch it. Maybe not. Yeah. But yeah, isolation. Scary thing. Although sometimes I desire it. <laughs> I desire it by choice. But yeah, not exactly. By exactly. Force. By choice. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. David. David. That was bad. All right. 
just because you and I are always often in sync in a weird way, I have a different Mary ship to talk about today. And the Marys. The Marys. The Marys of sea, at sea. Mary on, I don't know. The Marys at the Marys sea. The Marys at sea. Okay. So the sweet, the sweet life of Mary and Mary. <laughs> okay. I'd watch this show. So thank you real quick to Natasha from our Patreon for giving this suggestion because if you didn't know, if you're a Patreon donor, we, well, I would say Corinne, Corinne posts ahead of time a teaser <laughs> of what our episode topics are going to be and we take suggestions from our Patreon donors. So Natasha suggested the Mary Celeste. So everyone, grab your lifeboat, buckle your life vest because we are going to be on a tumultuous, stormy ocean as we discuss Mary Celeste. On November 7th of 1872, Benjamin S. Briggs, his wife Sarah, and their two-year-old daughter and their seven crew members departed the New York Harbor on the Mary Celeste. Their destination was Genoa, Italy. Just one month later, on December 5th, a passing ship called De Grazia spotted the Mary Celeste at full sail adrift off the coast of Azores with no sign of the captain, his family, or his crew. The crew of the De Gratia boarded the ship looking for signs of life and found absolutely nothing. No one was aboard. And aside from a few feet of water in the hold and one missing lifeboat, the ship was undamaged and still loaded with six months worth of food and water. So what the heck Where did the people happened? go? That is the question. What happened to Briggs and his family and the crew? Where did they go? And how in the heck did they vanish without a trace? That is what we're going to talk about. Wait, sorry. Where, where were the people from? Where was the original boat from? They left the New York Harbor and were heading towards Genoa, Italy. Wow. Okay, yeah. Well, because I'm just thinking like the Azores are out in the middle of nowhere. Yes. That's basically like happening upon Hawaii. Yeah. I mean, I think it was part of their Which path. Which is like still a destination, but there's like so much ocean around that. Yes. Like you, you're either there or you're traveling another, you know, yes. 10 hours at sea yes. plus. It is a befuddling mystery, and there are a lot mm -hmm. of conspiracies, which I know are your favorite, Corinne. So before we talk about all those, let's discuss the history of the Mary Celeste. So the Mary Celeste was built in Spencer's Island, Nova Scotia, and launched under British ownership, and it was initially called the Amazon in 1861. She was constructed of locally felled timber, which I think is amazing that they were, you know, instead of cutting down trees, they were like, oh, let's only use ones that have fallen by themselves. What's That's fallen? beautiful. Right. That is really nice. It had two masts and was rigged as a brigantine. And I just want to be very clear to everyone listening. I know nothing about ships. I don't know the bow, the stern. I've never sailed. I'm not – like, I don't know. So I wrote this because the internet told me about this. But I – and I even looked up, like, what does this mean? And I still don't comprehend. So boat people, sorry. Anyway, the Amazon, later known as the Mary Celeste, was 99.3 feet long and 25.5 feet wide with a depth of 11.7 feet. Her maiden voyage was in June of 1861, and she sailed to five islands to take cargo of timber across the Atlantic to London. And in much of my research, it said that nothing really eventful or wild happened to the Amazon until the disappearance of Benjamin Briggs and his whole crew, but... But, 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 but I would insist that a curse had befallen the ship from the very beginning because the ship's very first captain, Captain McClellan, 
actually fell ill after supervising the first voyage and died 19 years later. So the first captain died. Or sorry, 19 days later. Died 19 days later. Did I say years? I meant days. Yeah. Days later. And then yeah, 19 days later is definitely a little bit more first, <laughs> a little like, different 19 years. Yes. <laughs> and then life happened and then, and he, then died. he died. <laughs> it must be a curse. But it must be a curse. Yeah, no, no, no. No, 19 days. Like he he basically was he died. I don't know if it was on the ship, but it was big part of the voyage. Like he was still the captain of the ship and he died. Mm. And then the captain who took his place actually had a ton of issues with navigation. And I didn't do a ton of research. Like maybe he was a little bit of a drunk. I don't know. But he ran into a lot of things with the ship. He, like, ran into fishing equipment. He ran into another ship. Like, this guy truly sank another ship in the English Channel. So I think it was a problem with him. But considering the the history and what continues to happen to the Amazon, a.k.a. the Mary Celeste, it is curious and interesting that the first two captains are having a lot of trouble. I mean, and a boat that's 100 feet long, that's a big boat, but it's not not unmanageable. No, no. I mean – Think about it. It was a, a seven-person or eight-person crew when everyone just went missing. So it is a smaller ship. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking about, like, my parents' boat. It's 25 feet. I drive it all the time. Yeah. I mean, I know four times that size is way bigger. <laughs> But yeah, but still, I'm just like in in Boston. I'm thinking about all the boats that are going through the channel in there. Yeah, that are so much bigger than that. Yes, so definitely, you're right. It is befuddling, befuddling. So the Amazon at this time had an ill fated beginning. At least I believe that. And then in October of 1867, the Amazon was washed ashore during a terrible storm. She was so badly damaged that she basically was left abandoned. And they were like, we're not, it's not even worth our time recollecting this ship. It's a wreck. But where one person sees a wreck, another saw an opportunity. And the Amazon was bought and sold to an American whose name was Richard Haynes from New York for $1,750, which I looked up the conversion to today's money is $40,000 in America in today's money. And I'm pretty sure Richard Haynes is like the type of person who's like, I now want to own a boat and you will call me captain because he made himself (laughs) captain and I don't think he knew much about ships. Yes, Haynes renames the ship the Mary Celeste. So we have him to thank for that. But Haynes was not good with his money. And that is evidence in the fact that he bought a ship for that much money and then couldn't pay for it. And so it was seized by creditors. And then the ship was passed through many hands until 1872. And it underwent $10,000 of a facelift, which are, of course, true nautical terms, of course. And <laughs> in, see, this is, I think I'm funny. And in 1870. <laughs> In, I think you're funny too. Thank I was you. the one that laughed. I know, I know, I know. But I wrote that, like, you know, sometimes I write things for you. Sometimes I write things for myself. And that was for myself. I'm just glad you know. <laughs> In 1872, after all of the, you know, renovations and work on the Mary Celeste were done, Benjamin S. Briggs becomes the Mary Celeste's captain. And Benjamin is an interesting man. His background's not necessarily pertinent to the story, but because he does go missing, I thought it would be interesting to tell you about him. He was one of five sons. His dad was a sea captain, and it said that four of the sons, including Benjamin, all went into the business. Only one went elsewhere. So he was born into the business, very naturally followed his in his father's footsteps. He was an observant Catholic whose dating profile would have read... My favorite book is the Bible. 
And he then went on to marry his cousin. Ah. Uh, first cousin, second cousin. First, first. Sarah Elizabeth Cobb. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. His cousin. Oh, that's so much worse. It was 1862. It's all not good. But. So I don't know if that was like the norm. But I feel like no one objected at the altar and was like, hey, Benji, don't marry your cousin. They kind of just were like, yeah, Benji and Sarah. I just made up that nickname. I don't think that was his nickname. But yeah, so he married his cousin. And he and Sarah had two children, a son named Arthur in 1865 and a daughter named Sophia in 1870. Benjamin invested his money into the Mary Celeste and then was set to travel to Genoa, Italy in 1872. He arranged for Sarah and their infant daughter, Sophia, to travel with him along with the seven members of his crew. And that Arthur, because he was in you know preschool or schooling age, would stay behind with Benjamin's grandmother. Then Benjamin hand selects his crew of, in quotes, this was like people remarked that it was a peaceable and first-class sailors. And um, on October 20th, 1872, Briggs loaded the ship with 1,701 barrels of denatured alcohol, which I looked up. It's basically poisonous alcohol that's used as fuel. So like you can't drink that stuff. Oh. It's fuel. How, how do you make alcohol not not a question for this podcast. Not a question. Uh, for do you this know the podcast. answer? No, no. I was gonna say, don't ask me that. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> you went, and I was like, oh my gosh. No, 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 no. no, no. no. I do not know. I do not. It's know. okay. We'll move on. We'll move on. Okay. So they load up the Mary Celeste with all of this stuff, and then a week later, Sarah and Sophia joined him, and they were all set to sail on November fifth. But the weather was uncertain, and Briggs, being a good captain, was like, you know what? Let's wait until the bad weather passes. I want to be as safe as possible. Let's just wait. So they wait two days, and Sarah used these two days to write a letter to her mother. And little did she know, or the world know, that this would be her final correspondence. She wrote, Tell Arthur I make great dependence on the letters I shall get from him and will try to remember anything that happens on the voyage which he would be pleased to hear. Which just, like, breaks my heart. So sad. Yeah. In a nearby harbor, the ship De Gracia was awaiting their petroleum cargo. So they too were destined for Genoa. So both Mary Celeste and De Gracia are both heading to Genoa. De Gracia was leaving the Hoboken port and then Mary Celeste was leaving the New York Harbor. And the De Gracia was like a couple days behind the Mary Celeste in terms of plans. So okay. the Mary Celeste set sail on November 7th. But the same the same path. Basically the same path, yeah. That's why they happened upon them? Yeah. Okay. So the Mary Celeste set sail on November 7th, 1872, and the De Gracia set sail on November 15th, 1872. What happened aboard the Mary Celeste between November 7th and December 4th is unclear. But on December 4th, the De Gracia had reached a position midway between Azores and the coast of Portugal when Captain Morehouse was notified of a vessel six miles away heading unsteadily in their direction. Morehouse observed the ship for a while, noting it was making erratic movements, and with the help of a telescope, he made note that there was no one aboard that he could see. He tried to make contact and signal to the Mary Celeste, but nothing. So he sent his first mate and another crew member over to investigate, and they climbed aboard and found the ship altogether deserted. The sails were set, but some were missing. Others were in bad condition. The ropes were hanging off the ship, and the ringing was damaged. And the small lifeboat was missing. Plus, the glass cover of the ship's compass had been broken, and there was a small but not alarming amount of water in the hold. 
The cabins were mostly in order. Briggs' sheathed sword was under his bed, untouched, but most of the ship's papers were missing along with navigational equipment. There were ample provisions aboard and there were no signs of fire or of violence. Like there was just no indication of why this crew is missing. The last log and the captain's- Because like, was there, I don't know, I was just thinking like, was there this crazy storm that they were thinking was going to hit? So they panicked and got into a lifeboat and then- Ended up lost, but a lifeboat would be way worse to be in during a storm than the ship, right? Like that doesn't make sense. Yeah, true. So I don't know. Morehouse, Captain Morehouse from DeGrazia and his crew find the captain's log, and the last log was dated November twenty fifth and stated no concern. It placed Mary Celeste. 400 miles from where the De Grazia discovered her. So for all intents and purposes, this missing crew was just a complete and utter mystery. But this is interesting because instead of looking for the missing crew, Captain Morehouse was like, hey, there's a lot of goods, a lot of fuel on this ship, a lot of booty, if you will. And if I bring it to shore, I can make some sweet cash monies. Because apparently there's like some maritime law that if you bring the goods of another ship to a port, like you can make money off of it. So if you happen upon someone else's treasure, you just get to steal it and sell it? Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can like pirate it in that way, but the fact that the ship was empty and they were bringing it back to shore, they could make money off of it. Hmm. I don't know. It seems a little sketchy and there's some conspiracies that they're like, Morehouse, mm-hmm. you know, killed everyone. But but he also had his own ship of goods. So like, what? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, maybe and, and maybe because there wasn't many details about Morehouse, it kind of just read as if like he discovered the crew was missing. It was a mystery, but hey, here's some money. And that's also probably me reading into it a little bit because I think people are evil. So anyway, Morehouse, Morehouse brings the ship into Gibraltar and he wrote to his wife saying, I shall be well paid for the Mary Celeste. And I don't think he wrote anything about like those poor souls who went missing. It was more like, I'm going to get the monies. So once Mary Celeste reached the shore, an investigation began and they determined foul play must have been at play because they sent a team aboard to search the ship. The surveyor noted cuts on each side of the bow caused seemingly by a sharp instrument and there were possibly traces of blood on Briggs' sword. So the report also emphasized that there was no sign of heavy weather and there was speculation. This is interesting. Okay, so there was speculation I couldn't find confirmations that any of the poisonous alcohol was open, but there was speculation that the crew drank the alcohol that was poisonous and murdered the Briggs family in a drunken frenzy, and then to cover up their actions, faked a collision, doctored their logs, and fled. But if you murder three people on a boat, there would be evidence. There would be blood. And this was like, there were maybe traces of blood on the sword. It was kind of like they were looking for an explanation because there was no explanation. Yeah. Others uh, believe there yeah, was... Yeah, that just... Yeah. It's such a mystery. Seems seems a bit odd. Right. Others believe there was a greater conspiracy at play, murder, cover-up. Maybe it was Morehouse. Maybe it was insurance fraud. Then, you know, the the supernatural theories like giant octopi, aliens, or pirates, the theories go on and on. Some even blamed Morehouse and the crew of De Gracia that Morehouse had lured them in and killed the Briggs family and the entire crew in order to get money for the supplies aboard the ship. Some also theorized that Briggs and Morehouse were actually working together. But if that were the case, then where did Briggs and his family go? And why would he abandon his son, who was like back in the States with his grandmother? It, it's just very confusing. And also, the De Gratia left 
after Mary Celeste. So timing wise, it doesn't make sense that Morehouse would have lured them. Like they, it truly, like the Mary Celeste was days ahead of them in the voyage. And it was only because it was abandoned that it was drifting ashore and it, and they ended up finding it. And to just the evidence, like, let's say that the crew did get really drunk off of this poisonous alcohol mm-hmm. and were essentially like poisoned. If they were acting that erratically, it wouldn't make sense for their cabins to still be like really yes. well kept and tidy and basically yes. like pristine. And really the only thing to have happened was for the navigation compass to be cracked with a small amount of water and for everyone to be missing. Yes. And I guess like some ropes and stuff are are around, but Yeah. So I don't there know. Is, there is one theory that sadly is not supernatural in any way. And I I, I think I believe it the most and I'll get to it in a minute. But it is I mean it it's a it's a mystery and the fact that and it's also sad because clearly mm-hmm. they had fled in this lifeboat but then never made it to safety. Right. So I, it's sad to imagine what those days were like for them and how and and what they went through. And imagine having a newborn baby doing with doing that too. Like it just I always think of well now yellow jackets kind of has this theme in it but like I kind of think there's a book of people who like are abandoned and at sea and the idea of having to eat others to survive. Like I just imagine they, I, yeah, I wonder what happened those days on the boat. I know. Well, and the fact that it was never, I mean, I guess the sea is huge and where they yeah. disappeared, there's really like not much around, but just the fact that there was, there was nothing ever found. Nothing. Again. Nothing. No trace of None them or the lifeboat or anything. Like no one. Nothing. It's just gone. Taken I mean, to that's the, the crazy. Or the sky or whatever happened. That's the scariest part about the ocean is that it's so vast that there are so many things that have sunk to the bottom of the ocean that we will just truly never know. And we'll never know the truth of what happened to them. Mm-mm. Yeah, I know. It's scary. I hate looking at the image of Earth from the side of all water. <laughs> I know. It's scary. Okay. So then there was also a belief that perhaps pirates off the coast of Morocco had attacked the Mary Celeste. But like, listen, a pirate group wouldn't just say like, hey, there's a ship. Let's go kill everyone and then leave all the valuables behind. Like their cabins were all untouched. The fuel, Mm -hmm. the alcohol, poisonous alcohol was all left there. Like they could have brought it back. Food too. Yeah, all the food. They they didn't. If you're in the middle of the ocean, wouldn't you at least take some of the food? Yeah, yeah. So that theory doesn't make sense to me and a lot of other people in the world. It was also later determined that the lifeboat's rope was cut, not untied, which signifies a hurry to escape the ship. So. Oh. The theory that I most believe and I think a lot of people believe is that there was perhaps a small explosion on board. Perhaps they thought the water damage was worse than it ended up being and they thought the ship would sink and so they like ran as quickly as possible not realizing that the ship would be fine after it because yeah. In 2006, an experiment was performed to test the explosion theory and they created an explosion with similar fuel that created a considerable blast and a ball of flame but did not create a fire, left no soot, no scorching or burning, which means that is a plausible explanation and would mean Briggs and his men fled. So like I imagine like if they're working and all of a sudden a big fireball blasts out, they would for sure cut the ropes to the lifeboat, jump on real quick and like flee because they think the boat's going to explode. But what they didn't realize that this right. this specific type of explosion truly just created a fireball and like a vacuum seal pressure and then went out. 
But also, I feel like this still doesn't entirely make sense because, I mean, maybe I'm I'm thinking – I've never been in that situation, so I can't say what people would really do. But what I picture happening is that you flee, you get onto the lifeboat, you go so far away to be in safety, and then you wait right there yeah. with your ship visible still yeah. to see if anything happens. And knowing that you're on the path – that other ships will be on. Right. Because that is the traveled location. So you will be found. Yeah. And happened upon. If you just let yourself drift and like start rowing into nowhere, you're going to die. Yeah. I do wonder though if like a couple people grab the lifeboat real quick, but then it like flipped or something like, you know, something else could have happened in the panic, in the chaos of it all. Right. That no one survived. I don't know. I don't know. But that that's the one theory that seems like the most plausible to me because I think if I saw an explosive fireball of something crazy, I would for sure jump off the boat, you know? Yeah. You know? Right. So anyway, this mystery is something that's never really been solved and no one knows the answer because like you said, there's just no evidence of Briggs. There's no evidence of the crew members. There's just no trace of anyone. After the disappearance, the Mary Celeste went on to have other voyages, but she was a very, very unpopular ship because as she would be with this history. No one wanted her. No one wanted to be her captain. She seemed to be cursed. Another captain, Edgar- I feel bad for the boat. <laughs> yeah. Another captain actually fell ill and died while on the boat, which is the third captain wow. to die on board. And then in November of 1884, the new owner, Gilman Parker, and a group of Boston shippers conspired insurance fraud together. And they basically, like on all the paperwork, said that the cargo was worth way more than it actually was. And then- Parker was sailing the ship and deliberately ran it into a reef in a channel by Ganov Island. I think that's how you say it. And uh, let's just say they did not get away with it. And they were very much caught in their scam. And one of his co-conspirators went crazy. Another took his own life. And it seems like the curse of the ship got them all after all. And then yeah, when they – because they crashed it. So basically the Mary, Mary Celeste was lost to the sea. The Mary Celeste was lost to the sea, as were the lives of Briggs, his family, and his crew. Their fate remains a mystery, and to this day, there is no confirmation of what actually happened to them. And this reminds me of the ship. I think you talked about it in the very first ships episode we did. It's kind of- Orang Madon. What? The Orang Madon. Was that the one where they all froze? I think so. Yeah. Right? Yeah, maybe. But there's a lot of ships in history that where the crew just went missing and there's no trace of them. No one knows what happened. Or there's just like all these weird conspiracies and mysteries that happen out at sea mm -hmm. that we just don't understand. There are flying saucer theories. There are giant sea creature theories. There's also a theory that maybe they got lost in the Bermuda Triangle, which has been dismissed because the ship was so far away from where. So far yeah, away. Yeah. Yeah. But I think everyone, like anything, anything, anytime anything happens at o in the ocean, it's like, oh, the Bermuda Triangle. But it doesn't mean that these things are impossible. There are, were no evidence of aliens or sea monsters. But if I were an alien or a sea monster, I wouldn't leave evidence behind. So who knows? There was also like eventually in time a man who claimed to be the survivor of the Mary Celeste. And he said that Benjamin Briggs challenged the first mate to a swimming race and they were both killed by a shark. And while the, while the crew was watching this horrific thing happen, a freak wave came and hit the ship and everyone aboard fell off. And he claimed that he was the only one what? who did not drown. But let's just say that's, I mean, I believe aliens before I believe this man's theory. 
Well, because if that if that theory is correct and he remained on the ship, why the hell would he ever opt to by himself get onto a lifeboat instead of stay on the ship with all of the food? Well, he was saying he would, he would, there'd be some report of like him on the lifeboat getting back yeah. to shore and like yeah. being saved at a port. Well, and and also he was saying that the uh, wave hit them all off, like like a freak wave hit the ship and they all flew off the boat. And if that's the case, then no one had time to cut the ropes to the lifeboat to get it off, like get it in the ocean for them to use. So it's, yeah, let's just say he did not. Liar, liar, pants <laughs> yeah. on fire. Yes, yes. So no one really knows what happened to the passengers of Mary Celeste. It is lost to the ocean now. Wow. This is more of a mystery than a supernatural ghost story, but it's still fascinating. Well, I mean, we don't know what happened. We'll never know. Yes. Maybe there's something that it, if it does somehow come come out and a mystery is somehow solved, that we'll be like, oh, that was a weird series of events and this makes sense, but that's like a freak accident yeah. that happened. But I also – I mean, this is a paranormal podcast, so I do like to think about the mysteries of the ocean and yes. what could have happened. Like what if sirens came up and everyone Ooh. was all – entranced by these mermaids and got in their life yeah. to go say hello to the mermaids and then that just like you know like what what things could have happened in the sea so many sorry i forgot we were on video i was literally like about to lift my shirt <laughs> up and like what things happened at the sea i'm, I'm a little sweaty i'm used to just like stripping in front of you <laughs> well no you're right because there's so but, yeah. much we don't know about the ocean there's so many things that possibly could happen also i love i mean I, it's sad but i also am so fascinated by this idea of ghosts existing on the ocean floor Yes. The ocean floor is so scary. So scary. So scary. So deep. Just everything that's down there. The the like drop-offs that are larger than oh, Everest. No. The creatures that we don't know that exist. Mm-mm. The weird like bloops and, and noises that scientists have no idea what they're coming from, <sighs> what's creating them. It's uh, it's bewildering. But yeah, that's the story you of know, Mary Celeste. Our Mary's at sea. That the Mary's. Mary's mystery. Yeah. It's a big one. That's wild. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, the baby on board and just the fact that everybody is now missing and obviously yeah. dead. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's so scary. I do there's part of me that like I do hope it's so uh, it's so conflicting, but the fact that no one survived, I do hope that they didn't have to spend days on a lifeboat without food and without supplies and then die. Yeah. That you know, would be terrifying. I, I do for the sake of less pain almost wish that they died right away. Quickly. Yeah. Right. That's like, what is that? What is that story? They made a movie about it with Shailene Woodley in it. Oh, yeah. But it was based on that, the true story. Her and her boyfriend. Sailing with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she, in the the panic and malnutrition and everything, that was her basically being left alone on this boat for however many days or like weeks. A, a month. It was imagined really him to be there. Yeah. But he died right away, which is yeah, which is good. Because can you imagine being detached from the boat <sighs> in a giant storm oh, and then no. surviving for some time? I wouldn't even want to survive for two minutes. If I were going to die, I want to die instantly. Yeah. 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 Listener stories. Listener stories. Oh, that was beautiful, Corinne. Oh, thank you. You're quite the vocalist. I'm not the greatest singer, but I enjoy doing it. You could be a siren. So, yeah. Uh, (laughs) But a siren of the sky. When you project me in my little worming situation, I'll just sing a song. (laughs) 
For all to hear. For all to hear. And everyone becomes mesmerized and like possessed and follows you out like zombies into this town square. Into the town square, and then everyone does the monster mash. That's we do what I mash. make everyone do. I love it. I'm there for it. We do the monster mash. This is reminding me of, do you remember, I think it was two years ago when one of those. <laughs> do I remember two years ago? No. I, I actually have no idea. Well, there was an artist who had created that animated cartoon of the two ghosts that are singing. Like, oh, yeah. That was really cute. The like romantic. Yeah. 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 That was sweet. I think we reposted it because it was so cute. That was mesmerizing. That was. Yes. I think I probably watched it on loop at least 90 (sighs) times. For sure. I liked that a lot. Yes. Okay. I have an email and this is from Dana and Marianne. Hey, ladies, I just finished the ghost ship episode and my mom was listening with me. When she heard you both talking about the Queen Mary, (gasps) she told me that I had to email you. Yes. So with that being said, this isn't my personal experience, but my mom's when she worked on the Queen Mary. She worked there? She started working on the Queen Mary. Yes. 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 This was – she – they emailed because of our first ship's episode when we read a listener story about the Queen Mary. I love that. She started working on the Queen Mary, I believe, in the 1980s. She didn't say. And she worked in the restaurant. The lady that she saw multiple times was the lady from the salon. One night, my mom was working in the restaurant when she saw a lady sitting in another server section in the very back booth. So my mom goes up to the server, let's call the server Janet, and asks Janet why she hasn't served that person, why she's about to leave. And my mom told her that someone was sitting in her section. So Janet laughs and says, Marianne. Nobody is sitting in my section. You're crazy. Oh, my gosh. My mom saw that lady sitting at the table get up and walk out of the restaurant. Later that night, she went up to the office for her cash up and saw a photo of that woman. She asked her manager who it was, and he said that she had died years ago. Oh, my gosh. My mom was shocked. She said, no, I just saw that woman in the restaurant. And the manager turned around, big-eyed, looked at my mom and said, Marianne, you saw a ghost. (laughs) Right then, my mom knew that she had a gift. She knew since she was little, but she didn't quite believe it until this moment. Wow. Ready for the next experience? The little girl at the pool. Yeah. She saw her as well. Wow. My mom was going to the restroom before her shift so that she could finish getting ready. And when she was doing that, a little girl walked into the restroom. My mom said, hi, sweetie, are you lost? And the little girl said back, hi, no, I'm okay, ma'am. I just like being by the pool. My mom didn't think anything of it until she left and didn't see where the little girl went. Once again, my mom told her coworkers and they laughed and said, no children have been on this boat all morning. Then she read later on about the little girl who haunts the pool. She was blown away. None of the experiences that she had were harmful and she wasn't scared. She felt safe every single time. Well, I hope you enjoyed the story and I will see you on the other side. My mom will be so stoked if this is read. Moms being moms. Oh, Dana and Marianne. This is amazing. I mean, it does sound like from your definition or your story about the Queen Mary and from this email, like that the spirits aren't negative. Like they they are all just kind of coexisting within the ship. Yeah. I am curious right. though why the manager yeah. had that photo of the woman. Like who who was she to the manager? I'm not sure. I guess I sort of pictured it as 
as like, you know, like a good example of this is when we were at the Driscoll and there's just like portraits and old yeah, historic yeah, things decorating the halls and the offices. Yeah. So I was just picturing it more of that, like where she was near the office and was just like, oh, wait, that's the lady. Maybe assuming like I think if I were in her position, I would just assume it, it was an oh, one of the owners or investors yeah. or like someone important yeah. in some way. And it's just like, oh, I just saw that woman. Like, who is she to us? Again, Marianne, like, that woman said saw a ghost. You saw ghosts. She hasn't been alive for thirty-eight years, Marianne. I, I had the. I, I don't know why I had this in my mind, but I imagined like you know a dressing room with a big mirror, and for some reason mm-hmm. the manager works out of a dressing room in my imagination, and on the mirror is just one picture, and it's a picture of the woman who Marianne saw. <laughs> That's what I was. That was what was in my head. Wrong, but it's like a photo but, booth strip and it's just that one yeah. person in the photo booth by in herself. All four frames. <laughs> I do wonder, oh, actually, that's a good question. I mean, and she saw it. I wonder if there have been any photo booths where ghosts have taken pictures. Like if I were a ghost, I would for sure get in a photo booth and take oh, a lot of pictures. Right? It might be one of those mysteries where like I think if you're at like a wedding or something and there's just people that kind of like crowd in yeah. and you don't always know who's with you. I wonder how many have kind of like snuck into those yeah. photos. Well, something I will do. We'll see. Well, it sounds like, I mean, compared to what my tour guide at the Queen Mary yeah. went through with presumably the little girl in the pool, that Marianne had a much better time because the little girl was just chilling. And it yeah. was like, no, I just like hanging out here yeah. and not chasing Yeah, that's the chasing around. scary. <laughs> yeah, I do. Marianne sounds like she has so cool, a lot though. of skills. Yeah, so cool. Yes. I have a story from our listener, Courtney, who also I think is a Patreon donor and commented, I sent you an email about a haunted ship and I was like swooping in. Okay. Perfect. It's called Super Spooky Battleship North Carolina. Hi, Sabrina and Corinne. I'm going to start this off by saying I love you guys, but I legitimately had to stop listening to the podcast last year because it spooked me too much and was overlapping into my (laughs) dreams. It made me sad, but then I decided to start listening again during quarantine because I figured what else could go wrong with 2020 at this point? Uh, I'm also a hashtag (laughs) Corona bride. I know I don't have to say more there. Yes, I know that. Well, I have had an interest in everything paranormal from a young age. I have realized over the years that I may be sensitive, but with my dreams. Hey, me too, Courtney. Already two things in common, Corona Bride and dreams. It's a strange gift that I am sure my parents both have as well. We have all had very strange dreams and occurrences that happened later that were really hard to explain. I'll send a different email with those later. But back to Battleship North Carolina. If you haven't been, I would highly suggest it. It has some very heavy energy, but I surprisingly never felt scared there. There's also a book called Ghosts of the Battleship North Carolina written by the ship's caretaker that was crazy to read. However, my first time visiting, I was maybe nine or 10 years old and I didn't know any of the spooky history. I thought it was just another historic thing. My dad was dragging my mom and I too. It was in the middle of August that we visited. So it was insanely hot as we toured it. Every time since I have visited, the ship has been crowded, but for some reason, the first time we went, we lucked out and there were very few other people touring. Being that young and not super interested in the history aspect, I was bored and sweaty, standing there watching my dad read all the plaques. My mom felt the same way, so we both just hung back from him and let him explore. We got to this area that I don't know what it's called, but I googled photos and attached them to help better describe. They aren't mine, but you get the idea. 
It feels very deep in the ship, and the smell of gunpowder is still very much present in the air. My mom and I were walking up the stairs, and there was someone walking behind me. The person was walking pretty closely, and I remember feeling annoyed because they wouldn't just walk around us. We also didn't really encounter many other people while touring the ship, so the fact that they were walking so closely to us when it wasn't even crowded stuck out to me. Finally, we got to the top of the stairs, and this person walked to my left and went around us. I glanced over my shoulder and saw the person was dressed all in khaki, briskly carrying on past us. Long story short, it took us years to realize, but it seems to me that I might have seen one of the crew members rushing off to action on the ship. I was able to find some images of World War II naval uniforms, and there are khaki ones that bear a very close resemblance. Neither of my parents remember that man, but they remembered me talking about the person who was rushing us and walking closely. I think whether or not I knew it at the time, this is where my interest for the paranormal sparked. And of course, I haven't been lucky, or I guess unlucky enough to see anything since, at least that I know of. Thank you for reading and for your hard work with the podcast. See you on the other side, Courtney. And here are just two pictures of the ship. Oh my gosh. Oh, Yeah. That is so cool. This feels like time travel, doesn't it? This feels like Glitch in the Matrix. It is. Because of just the scenario and them being rushed and him being there. It feels like you happened upon a time slip almost. I know. I am curious though. It's just the spirit like going about. But did the spirit, like what was the spirit's experience? Did he, was he like, who are these two people on my ship walking so slowly? I have things to do. I have places to be. Or did he not really – I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he waited until they were right. at the top of the stairs to pass them. So it does feel like he knew they were there. Yeah, that is interesting. It's almost making me wonder if it's some sort of like from his vision, if there's some sort of warped perception of yeah. who they are. Like do they appear to be Who they people? are. Yeah. Yeah, are they like in the wrong time period clothing-wise and looks-wise? Right. Or – is there some sort of like weird shift where they take on the appearance of people who were Ooh. supposed to be there? And that's why he's just kind of like, so, you know, yeah, not, not saying super anything. alarmed to see these people from yeah. so many decades later. Yeah. I'm also curious, like, if you're a spirit who lives or exists on the battleship North Carolina or any ship really or anywhere, do you get used to seeing people touring? Like, do you know, like, is this the norm to you or is it weird continuously? This is why I wish we could yeah. interview a ghost. Yeah, right. Like, does the experience reset every day? Like, do you wake up every day and you're shocked at what's happening (laughs) around you? Or is it one of those things where – I know we've read listener stories before of people who've worked at haunted places or just have toured haunted places where, like, the ghosts actually do have somewhat of an attachment to the people that are the tour guides. Right. I don't know. And enjoy certain ones and have, like, feet Yeah, like, their friends. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So many questions. Curious. Very, very few answers. So many. Yeah. You know, if one of us ever passes before the other, which I hope never happens, I hope we die at the exact same second. <gasps> Holding hands in our old but age. Not, but like, yeah, I was going to say almost almost not together because that makes me think that it would be like a car accident or something. Like it needs to be separate. No, Corinne, we, just, we, at will, the same time, we will like both be ill and we'll, we'll drive – we'll have someone drive us to meet in the middle or meet wherever we want to be ghosts. We'll, we'll meet at the Queen Mary – and we'll be laid to rest. Area 51. <laughs> yeah, Area 50. Wait. It's brilliant. That is a brilliant idea. We would get to see idea. everything. Ugh, wouldn't that be awesome? Okay, fine. On our deathbeds, we'll have someone drive us to Area 51. We'll just be on the border of it. And you and I will lay there and take our final breaths. And we'll look at each other with a big grin on our faces and be like, hee, 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 ha, ha, ha. 
<laughs> and then we'll find all the answers and then yes. we'll start a new podcast called Two Ghosts, All the Answers. Two Ghosts on Area 51. Fun. I wonder if anyone's ever tried to hot balloon, hot air balloon over Area 51. I doubt it. I think it's a no-fly zone. It definitely is. I just wonder how far you'd get in if they'd shoot you or if they'd be like, <laughs> stupid idiot. I'm and not willing to try. Over. Me neither. But if you've ever <laughs> ventured upon Area 51. Hot air balloon. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you've ever hot air ballooned on Area 51 or if you ever try it, please <laughs> email us your experience. Also, email us about anything paranormal, supernatural, weird, spooky, strange. Send your emails to two girls, one ghost podcast at gmail.com. You can also share them live with us on Spotify Live. We have a show called Campfire Stories every Tuesday, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Come join us and share your stories live. If you want to see our faces as we tell you these tales, we have a YouTube. And as of June 1st, we will be posting yeah. everything, everything on there. So this will be this will be there. Up there in a in a blip. You'll be able to yeah. watch this. We also have Patreon. We go live on Patreon every month for certain tiers. And there's also a lot of other cool things on Patreon, like Two Girls One Ghost Ringtones, exclusive merch. If Discord. We perhaps do some live shows in the future. Yeah. You get early access to tickets. Yep. Lots of fun things. Etc. Great fun things. Join our triangle. It's basically a pyramid scheme where you can get lost in spooky things. You tell all your friends about it, and next thing you know, you um are in not I wouldn't say a cult necessarily, but cult adjacent situation. It, it's yeah. it's just a communal haunting yeah. and everyone enjoys it. And everyone loves it. You must love it. Right? Yes. Thank you to everyone who supports great. us on Patreon. Thank you so much to our editors, Aiden Manning, Eric Foster, the whole team at FR Digital. We are so grateful for all the work that you put into this and making us sound and look better now that we're on YouTube. And thank you everyone for joining us. And thank us. you to all of you. Yeah. We love our you. Our community, our phantoms. Our pyramid. We love you. We love you. And we will see you on the other side. Very smooth.